You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. And you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, at Nada the Scribe, and at Walker Mail. Going to get to the similarities and the differences between the Atlanta Hawks and the Charlotte Hornets. That coming up in the second or the third segment. I really don't know yet, so it's going to come later in the show. But basically, stay tuned. And when exactly when you guys find out, that's when I will find out. Basically, LaMelo Ball being a fast learner, growing at a rapid rate. I want to talk about that in the second segment, as well as the viewership of these games. Sinclair basically not allowing us Hornets fans that have cut the cord to be able to watch these games. I want to talk about that a little bit in the second segment. But first, not I want to get to the games and the game tonight between the Hornets and the Hawks and James Borrego, his recent comments. I thought after that second Philadelphia game, James Borrego looked extremely frustrated and he mentioned so because of the offense, not a, you've been preaching that it's always going to be the defense. That is the Achilles heel of the Charlotte Hornets team. And I never really, you know, went, went against that. Clearly they were going to have some defensive struggles um, going into this year, but offensively it's not been there nearly uh, as much as you would have hoped it would have been the past couple of games. And James Borrego said that there are going to be changes to the rotation tonight, but not necessarily to the starting lineup so when you hear that from the head coach James Borrego uh what does that mean to you he's not learned his lesson yet that's the biggest thing now I understand that there's a difference between loyalty to what what's working and not being like just being randomly shifting everything around and everything and I get that but at this point nothing about that starting rotation has worked it is one of the worst starting rotations if not the worst starting lineup in basketball right now so if we're going to go about this and say we're going to start with our bench having to put out the fire that the starting lineup is setting then you're setting these guys up for failure I personally thought that at some point that there would have to be a change like Devontae hasn't played well enough to keep his starting position you could argue PJ Washington hasn't played well enough to keep his starting position either at some point, there needed to be a change, and I'm not necessarily so sure that adding Malik Monk to the bench is going to be enough to make up for the hole that's that the starting rotation is giving you at this point. Yeah, and so I think Malik Monk is the first place you have to go. When you talk about James Borrego being so frustrated with the offense and then telling us afterwards that he's going to have changes within the rotation to try to help the offense, Malik Monk is the clear, obvious example to go to as far as people who haven't been getting minutes. You're not you're not going to the second rounders. You know, the big guys aren't going to go help you out. You're not going anywhere else. And McDaniels, you know, he's been someone that's already been getting his 15 minutes and can help you a little bit, I guess, if you're talking about his shooting. So maybe that's something where McDaniels gets more minutes than the 15 he's been allotted each of these past contests. But clearly James Borrego has shown more an affinity for wanting this team to score the basketball more when Cody Martin is out. And regardless whether we believe it, 
James Brago thinks Cody Martin is the best, as he would say, pound for pound defender on this team, and he's getting DNP CDs. So let's go ahead and put Malik Monk out there, which I like. You know that I like this. I do like putting Malik Monk out there with the second unit, and we'll see about can Devontae Graham, Malik Monk, and if Miles Bridges is going to continue to come off of the bench, then automatically I really like that threesome that goes out there on the court and really helps with the Charlotte Hornets on that end of the floor. And real quickly, Nada, when we talk about the starting lineup not being changed, there's been all this talk about LaMelo, and we've discussed that quite a bit, deservedly so. Fans care about the starting lineups for these teams. But I talked with Rick Bennell about it today, and you know he was mentioning that LaMelo is playing starting minutes. He is. And, and so are we making this too big of a deal when LaMelo is out here getting 30 minutes of run, but he's not playing the first six, seven minutes of the game, should we be as focused on that? Or do you think that there actually is a big deal to say, no, LaMelo needs to come out, get this team started on the right foot, um, even if he is playing what starters minutes would dictate? I would argue that at this point, the starting lineup has put you in enough of a hole to in a lot of these games, because I can't think of a game this year where the starting lineup came out. I think maybe it was Dallas. Dallas was the only game, I think, where... Yeah, probably the only Yeah, like, like the Dallas game was the only one where the starters didn't initially put you in a hole that the bench had to dig themselves out of. So if we're going to have this conversation about is starting really mattering all that much, I would ask you how important is not starting with your bench guys in a hole important to you that would be my yeah that would be my question to you because for me that answers the question if Lamelo can prevent this team from getting off to big deficits before the bench has to come in and fix everything then hey that that might have to be the role that we, he takes on from now on yeah I would completely agree with you actually I mean look point taken and, and if Lamelo is playing all these minutes then fine I think the appetite has been appeased for the most part of Lamelo, you know getting at least a significant run you can't I mean sure you can ask him to play 40 minutes if you want to but every fan should be happy that Lamelo was getting 25 to 30 minutes for sure I completely agree with you though as far as the significance and what it means to go out there and be uh, among the players the first five six seven eight minutes of a game the way that this team has not been able to start strong and come out flat here and there, and they did against Philadelphia. They came out flat. I think LaMelo would really help in that regard. And this isn't to say that Devante has been lazy. I don't want to say that, but LaMelo has been someone that has shown a lot of energy. I think that clip that Tom Haverstrow put out there on Twitter when he's talking about LaMelo Ball's steal rate, you know, I think he had two in this last game against Philadelphia. One was actually caused by good defense and good on-ball defense from P.J. Washington um, when the post player picked up his dribble. I forget who it was, but he just threw it to LaMelo. The other one was a really nice read and anticipation from LaMelo Ball. I, I continue to be impressed with LaMelo's willingness to try to get the ball into the uh, get, get it in bounds as soon as there's a made basket as I keep uh, alluding to the the Roy Williams philosophy LaMelo just brings energy immediately and and I want to start with that too I completely agree with you let's take a quick break let's continue to talk about LaMelo ball what I think is uh, something that Rick and I talked about this morning on the wake-up call LaMelo ball seems to be rapidly improving especially with the truncated offseason and regular season 
And I also want to talk a little bit more about what you had to say with James Abrego, maybe not wanting to ruffle the feathers of some of the players in the starting lineup. But real quickly, do want to also mention um, our sponsor, Bet Online AG. If you're ready for the first week of the NFL postseason, make sure you're going to Bet Online AG because that's the only place that has you covered, and it's the only place that we trust. You can sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag and use that promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. Plus, make sure you visit our good friends and exclusive partner on Twitter and Instagram at betonline underscore AG to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and use promo code once more locked on L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for your sign up bonus. That's hashtag betonline. LaMelo Ball, more discussion on him coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. I love leftovers, by the way. Huge leftover guy. Oh man, dinner, dinner for lunch. I love that. Leftover dinner, swing it into a lunch, maybe even to a breakfast if you're feeling goosey. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. 2020 is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcast. Now, I want to address something you talked about in the starting lineup real quickly. James Borrego not messing with it right now. Still going to give it a little bit more time to breathe, and then maybe we'll address it within the couple of games after it continues not to work. I don't think he's really worried about ruffling the feathers. I don't know if he really is cared about making sure that the personalities or these guys aren't frustrated with James Borrego himself, because one, we saw it a lot last year. And also, I don't think there's any better example of him doing that than Terry Rozier, who comes in as unquestionably at first. He was supposed to be the lead guy as far as a veteran leader goes or and running even the position that you normally think of like that as the point guard. And then eventually Devonte Graham is just too good. He asked Terry Rozier to move to this different adapted role. And Borrego's like, look, this is just what you have to do. This is for, this is for the better of the team. And if you're looking at Devonte Graham and a lot of really young players, I believe the Charlotte Hornets have among the uh, among the top five youngest rosters. I, I might be mistaken about that, but I, I think it, it's certainly young. It, it we know how many. Very young because I believe the average age is like twenty four point four this year, which is a drop. Yeah, last year, I believe. Well, and we know that you're getting second rounders that are playing and undrafted guys in the Martin twins, even though you're a little skewed here because Devonte and the Martin twins are older rookies last year. But I digress. The point being is that I don't know if James Brago cares about that. You do think he cares about that more than I'm giving it credit I for? I think I'm not sure he cares about it, but my worry is that he's so focused on the development side that he doesn't necessarily realize, and this is something that I'm real. I, I can't believe what I'm saying, but I'm wondering at what point are you focused too focused in on one thing and ignoring the other? Like, I understand that you're trying to squeeze as many points out of your bench, but there may be a better way to do that by starting somebody else. That is my concern is that he's too locked on t- too locked in on something and no, he's locked on. Be a company oh, man. Yeah. You said it yeah. right the first time. He's too locked yeah, he's on too on this. Locked on on something, and and <laughs> at this point, it may be hurting the team overall. 
I, like, and far be it from me, I'm one of those guys that is going to always give JB the benefit of the doubt because literally having had a couple of conversations with the guy, he is super smart and knows more basketball than I will probably ever like know. So I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt on this. I do wonder if there's a little bit too much seeing the forest from the trees, not seeing the forest from the trees right now and making that obvious thing that needs to happen. Well, here he is talking about not making any changes to the starting lineup, which means that biz is going to continue to start. Now, I guess it doesn't mean that the rotation is going to change as far as it, it doesn't mean that the rotation is not going to change where biz maybe doesn't play the 23 minutes that he did against Philadelphia. If you're just going with all offense, right? You have to think that biz comes off of the floor more often than not. And you have to think that Cody Martin comes off of the floor more often than not, which would mean if you're just saying, all right, we need to find ways to score. We'll live with some of the defensive problems on the other end of the court, but I think that would mean not a besides the LaMelo ball stuff. I think you're talking about miles bridges getting a lot more minutes and then playing PJ Washington at the five. And then maybe we could even see some of those lineups where miles bridges is playing the five with McDaniels also in that lineup. Remember we saw a little bit of that with the micro B lineup. And so I think maybe we could see a little bit more of that against the Hawks, which by the way, the injury report does say that the Hawks have a few people out Chris Dunn. So you're not going to have to deal with his defensive intensity. Danilo Gallinari. You're not going to have to worry about him just torching you. Um, a, a Kong Wu is out too, by the way. And uh, you also have Tony Snell who is not going to be playing in this game. So they're down a decent amount of guys and Gallinari being the most notable bogey is going to play. Um, he's probable. And I, I forget what the injury is, but he's going to be fine. Actually right ankle stiffness, but he's probable. So he is going to play. Um, you have an opportunity here. I, I think to score quite a bit of points, the Hawks are not good defensively anyway. So if, if the Hornets aren't able to score many points tonight against this team with you know what I would think you would have the best offensive lineups that you can think of then man then then you'll start to kind of raise an eyebrow at oh my god how are we going to fix this oh going no forward? no you have to make changes if you if the Hornets do not put at least 110 even in a loss against the Hawks tonight then you have to change the lineup you have to like literally I'm not saying must win I'm saying must score this is a game where <laughs> you have to score a lot of points and you have I to like be that. able to compete. And I'm not even worried about the defense. This is one of those lineups, like you said, where you can play PJ a lot of minutes down low, again, down low at the five and go with Miles at the four and even see some more of the micro B lineup. This is a lot, this is a game where I really do feel like you're going to get the best scoring nights of the year. I'm looking at the $120 million man. I'm looking at Gordon Hayward like, yo, buddy, you got to put up at least 25 tonight. Like there are guys that I actively look to con to contribute tonight. And if they don't, then, yo, I can't say cancel Christmas because cancel because Christmas just passed. But um, we cancel in Valentine's Day at least if they don't score. 100. <laughs> so the amount of points the Hawks have given up, it was 104 to the Bulls. It was 112 to the Grizzlies, 120 to Detroit the first three games. Then 145 to Brooklyn, an unbelievable amount of points. That game was 145 to 141. That's absolutely insane. They also gave up 96 the next outing against the Nets, only 96 to Cleveland in that loss, and then 113 in that loss to the New York Knicks, where they actually had a double-digit lead. So um, those are a couple of the games.
games that they uh, um, that they played and how many points they allowed. By the way, Rajon Rondo going to be out too. So just wanted to make sure uh, I got that correct as well. We have one more segment to go. I'm going to talk about the similarities and the differences between the Atlanta Hawks and the Charlotte Hornets. But first, I want to discuss Built Bar with everyone because they have 18 amazing flavors, including the six new flavors that they have in caramel brownie, cookies and cream, carrot cake, apple almond crisp, lemon almond cheesecake, and of course, Cherry Barcia. Got to mention that as a part of the Barcia Bros. They're great for the health conscious guy, too. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, all that good stuff. Great for the keto diet, too. And you get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Plenty more to come in the last segment. The differences, similarities between the Hawks and Hornets. Coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. You give me a new adjective. God, you're just messing this up. I, you know, <laughs> I just I spend some time away from the show and you're still the same old walker. All right. Yeah, <laughs> give me a new adjective and give me a plural well, noun. I, well, I, I've already thought of my plural noun now that you mentioned it. How about, uh, well, I don't even know if this is plural. How about grape jelly? Does that work? Grape oh jelly is the God. noun I was going to get. A plural go. noun. This isn't hard. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. If you want to get basketball smart, it starts with listening to the Hollinger and Duncan podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, NBA analytics pioneer and front office insider John Hollinger joins Dunked On Podcast host Nate Duncan to bring you scouting reports, game breakdowns, and salary cap analysis. Subscribe to Hollinger and Duncan today, wherever you get your podcast. Before we kind of talk about some of the stuff I teased in the last segment. Not, I know you had someone hit you up in your DMs. They were sliding right on in there with a trade proposal. Uh, did they hit? What was it? Was it a hit as far as the slide in the DMs goes? Or do you think it's a miss? What was the proposal this guy gave you? Shout out to my man, Jake G, who hit me on the DMs. And because he asked, he's like, look, what do you think about a Malik Monk for Mo Bamba trade? And under normal circumstances... Like, I am one of those that is, again, I'm part of Monk Hive. I love Monk. But I completely understand taking a chance on a first-round big. The only problem is we have not seen hide nor hair of Mobamba since his second COVID incident. And the guy is still not ready yet. So I, I appreciate the thought. Please send send Walker all of your trade requests. Do not send me those re- trade requests. I appreciate <laughs> the question. But send them all to Walker. But... If Mo Bamba was actually on the floor, I would probably be more for it. Unfortunately, he hasn't recovered from COVID at all, and I'm worried about his career. So there's that. Yeah, I mean, uh, this makes sense. The Hornets need a big guy, athletic, and I really liked Mo Bamba coming into the NBA draft. I was a big fan of his, and it hadn't really worked out the first two years of his career. He's missed some games because of injuries, and he's only appeared in one game, as it seems, so far this season. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't do it. I think Malik Monk, even with people possibly rolling their eyes, like, yeah, Malik Monk hasn't done enough to, to salvage it. I mean, if you're, if you're moving on from Malik, then I'd be totally cool with this. If you're just hell bent, it didn't work out. We're done. Then fine. I would take uh, Mo Bamba. I think that would be, uh, just a fine prize to get back in return. Um, but if you're not hell bent on sending him out, then no, I, I, I would still keep on and hold on to Malik Monk as it stands right now. Not when you look at the Atlanta Hawks and the Charlotte Hornets, I feel like 
when you're discussing some of the teams that have been trying to rebuild the last couple of seasons, you look to the Atlanta Hawks and the Memphis Grizzlies as much as anybody. And the biggest difference between Atlanta and Charlotte had always been because Atlanta had their star. They had one in Trey Young. And even John Collins is more of a star than anybody young on this Hornets team. And even now they might not extend him, might not be worth that contract in their eyes. But even still, John Collins considered more of a star than what anybody else that's young on this roster is here in Charlotte. What are some of the do, do you think that the Atlanta Hawks do compare somewhat similarly to the Charlotte Hornets and the rebuild? Just overall, what do you think about some of the similarities and differences? The, that the Atlanta Hawks, I would say they're just one one and a half steps ahead in their rebuild than the Charlotte Hornets. They're in what the turn they're in their quote unquote turn phase of now you have to put together a playoff team to compete for the playoffs. They're just a step ahead. The only thing that they didn't do was the Gordon Hayward trade. And even then, I understand what they what what the Hornets were going for with that. The big thing about them is that they had a lot more draft picks to build stuff off of. Where the Hornets were the team that built off of second round picks. You look at the Hawks, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, Trey Young, as we've already talked about. Uh, a Kongwu, who we were always infatuated, at least I was infatuated with, as a big man. They've managed to stack assets and do it the quote-unquote right way to where they're a lot better. Now, as far as on-the-court product, they score a lot of points. They just don't defend. That is the big thing about them. And when it comes to what they can and cannot do, this is a team that if the Hornets play this right and defend just enough to interfere with a few shots this can be a game this can be a game this could be one of those games where you don't necessarily expect them to win but at least and then they end up winning i don't think this is a blowout though i do think this is a close game closer than people think though i well and even i'm just talking about the macro with both of these teams i think the atlanta hawks are a team that people were a little surprised they struggled so much last season because this had been a team that looked like they were putting some pieces together somewhat nicely in order in order for them to take a next step. And even if you think the Charlotte Hornets, even if you think their win-loss total was not necessarily indicative of how good they were, in fact, meaning that the Hornets were probably worse than the amount of wins they got last year, the point differential still is not as bad as what the Atlanta Hawks experienced last season. And John Collins did come back after that 25 game PED uh, suspension. And, you know, it's still not like the Atlanta Hawks were this juggernaut to get through. That's why you see the playoff mandate from ownership. You know, they're hell bent on making the postseason. That's why they have this off season of going out and getting Gallinari. That's why they go get Bogdanovich who the Kings just decided not to match that offer sheet. And I like Bogdan. I, I, I like getting him for the Atlanta Hawks. But I just also wonder, you know, you're right about also having some of those picks to work with, even with you getting Trey Young. Yeah, you sacrifice Luka Doncic, which sucks, but you do get some picks in return for that. And you get Trey Young like it's not at all a bad consolation prize by any means. You'd still probably take Luka but you at least get a couple of draft picks here and there and also not a, the cap space. They weren't trying to get out from under a bad cap situation like the Hornets as well. Um, and yet here are the Hornets still having to be a little bit more savvy with the second round and trying to hit on some of those guys. They actually get a better record than the Hawks last year, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, that's, so again, it's, it's a, just um, a little bit of a mandate. And the other thing is like, and I think this is something that we keep forgetting 
that the Hawks could run in anonymity, whereas if the Hornets do bad, they become everybody's favorite punching bag if they're not careful. So that it allows you to take more chances, allows you to slow to build up slow, and at the same time, again, it's Atlanta. People are always going to want to watch the Hawks, especially if you can see Ti, Killer Mike, those guys at uh, Gucci Mane at the at courtside. Like, unfortunately, Atlanta is a major market. The Hornets are a, a small mid tier market. That stuff kind of matters when it comes to rebuilds and being patient with a rebuild. All right. That wraps up this edition of Lockdown Hornets. Thanks again to Built Bar and you guys for supporting the show. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Lockdown NBA. Remember, we'll give you another episode tomorrow to recap this game against the Atlanta Hawks. Have a great day. And again, we'll be back with you on Thursday.